0: well good evening everybody welcome to the live webcast thank you once again for joining it's actually joining me tonight um thank you for joining me because barry and Anne are on holiday they're sunning themselves in mexico and celebrating their 40th wedding anniversary so good for them and i've had a couple of texts from barry um, and he's having a wonderful time the view from his hotel is gorgeous just over the beach and swimming pool so they'll be having a great time and uh congratulations to Barry and Anne 40 years i'll be there in a couple of years time but uh, good for them but uh thank you for joining um and um, i just hope we can all enjoy father's presence this evening and just receive what he wants to to say to us um just before we we start um i'd like to mention uh encounter week which is um next march and as usual we're holding this at cloverley hall in uh shropshire uh, beautiful venue as you can see and um you know you're all welcome to join us if you're not in the uk if you're in europe you can come and join us, we, there's, uh, we're fairly near Manchester Airport and Birmingham Airport and you can fly there and even if you're not in Europe, if you're further afield, um, America, Australia, um, come and join us. We've had people from America and Australia before and come and have a holiday in beautiful England um, and just so you can see a little bit more of what it's like, here's just a short video um, of of um, what we get up to. so you know we just see these weeks as being a wonderful opportunity to take some time to really encounter and experience the love of the father and many of you i know who are watching this have probably already been on on an encounter week um you're very welcome to come again of course um but uh you might want to recommend this to your friends people in your church it the testimonies we hear from all over the world are that these are life-changing weeks. And Cloverly Hall is a beautiful venue. They look after us really well. The food is excellent. The surroundings are wonderful. The team, they're, well, team second to none. I have to say that because they're on the webcast at the moment. But Norman and Johanna, Mike and Sue, great team. And um, really look after us very well during the week. I'll be joined by my good friend Helene King from Scotland um, for the week. And we're really looking forward to a good week together. So if you want more information, go to fatherheart.uk forward slash encounter. All of the information is there, including a booking form. And we would love to be able to welcome you um, in March. I know it's a long way off, but it's worth getting your application in as soon as possible. Um, and then the team will take over and process that and welcome you so hopefully we'll see many of you there looks like barry is on the webcast with us hola from mexico so welcome barry and anne hope you're enjoying your uh, 40th anniversary celebrations congratulations from all of us we send very very much love so yeah thank you all for joining us uh this tonight um i'm on my own as i've just said uh next week barry is going to be without me because i'm in poland i'm going to poland on friday with trevor and we're leading a week there growing in sonship uh really just a week um just to take people further and deeper in this revelation of the father and so uh we'll be there Uh, next week and barry will be uh i think barry's got a guest uh speaker next wednesday but same time same place um for for barry uh next week and then believe it or not two weeks time the two of us (laughs) will actually be together i mean it's been a really funny season this this autumn with what barry and i have been doing i think we've only made two webcasts together Um, But in two weeks' time we will be back together and then we'll have a run of webcasts up to Christmas where we will be um, online and live together. So that's kind of the plan for the next few weeks. Um, But as you'll have seen from the introduction, I want to talk uh, this evening or today um, on those two little words, in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ You know, I I did. um, I I, I searched my electronic Bible the other day, and that little phrase, that expression in Christ, is mentioned ninety times in the New Testament. Um, Most of the time, in fact, over eighty times, it's written by Paul in his letters, and the other times are um, by Jesus himself. And um, by Peter in his letters, but principally it's the little phrase um, that Paul uses through his his letters, and it's it's a simple phrase. It's it's but it's very powerful, and it's one that we can become so familiar with that it's very easy for us to overlook its meaning, and it really is those two words. The meaning of those two words are very, very rich and I believe if we begin to understand what that little expression in Christ really means, it, it will bring us into the fullness of our inheritance as sons and daughters. Sadly, I think we've missed the substance that is contained in those two words. And so I want to explore that a little bit um, with us together this evening. Um, if you're interested, um, I've written an article on this and it's on my website, com. And if you go to the article section, you can download this article um, along with another uh, of other ones that I've written. But I really want to unpack this for us. Um, when Trevor and I were in Denmark a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, um, we actually had a discussion. I got some of the team out the front and I asked them questions about what it meant to be in Christ. And it was a very, very rich um, discussion time together and just hearing people's experiences and people's understanding, it really brought together for us something of the, the richness of, of this little expression, this phrase, in Christ. But I want to start with a very well-known passage where Paul uses this expression many, many times. I mean, just it's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 10. And as I read it, just listen to the number of times that Paul says, in him or in Christ, because it's, it's 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 um it's astounding how often paul uses it just in a few verses so ephesians 3, uh, chapter 1 verses 3 to 10 praise be to the garden father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in christ for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to receive the full rights of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So even in those few verses, that little expression, that phrase, in Christ, crops up a number of times. And it really obviously meant something very, very significant to Paul, which I want to unpack for us uh, a little bit. But first of all, um, where does this expression originate? It actually started with Jesus, believe it or not. I mean, that's no surprise, is it, really? But it started with Jesus in John chapter 14 where Jesus is with his disciples and it's their last night together and Jesus is explaining what's going to happen to them and he's, he's telling his disciples and, and therefore us that he's the way to the father and the purpose of being a disciple is to come to know the father as Jesus knows him you know he's the signpost to someone greater than himself, and his desire, Jesus' desire is that we have a life-giving and life-changing relationship with the Father, because Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, he's able to say to his disciples, if they know him, they know the Father as well and when Jesus says that it prompts Philip to make a statement which I'm so glad he, he said because it actually opens up the conversation a little bit more and Philip says you know, Lord, it's like he gets a revelation Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough see, and that's just, that sentence is incredible knowing the Father is enough you know, Philip sees something and he says show us the Father that's all we need that will be enough for us it's the only thing that ultimately satisfies us and when Philip has that revelation and he makes that statement it enables Jesus to go on and explain for us the relationship that he has with the Father You know, because to Jesus there's no distinction between him and the Father because he replies to Philip and he says this he says how can you say show us the Father don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me see Jesus, Jesus is conveying to his disciples that he has no life apart from his father because of the intimacy and the unity of their father-son relationship and as we're going to see we can be part of that same intimacy and unity of relationship see Jesus has often said throughout his life that you know I only do what I see the father doing I only say what I hear the father saying I only go where I see the father going you see it's like his life is tied up so much with the Father's. And, you know, he describes it in this way that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. And in John 14, verse 11, Jesus stresses this once again. He says, believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. And he says, you know, even even if you can't get a hold of that, he said, believe on the evidence of my miracles it's like he's doing everything he can to reveal this intimacy and oneness with the father and it's like he's saying to the disciples if you struggle to understand this concept of this unity um, then look at the miracles look at my life he says and see them As proof that the Father is living in me and working through me. See, Jesus is saying, you see, these miracles are works of the Father. And even if you struggle to understand what I'm talking about, look at what I've done and see that what I've done is actually what the Father's been doing. You see, and Jesus then makes that incredible statement, which we talk about a lot. You know, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. So the, the progression of this is Jesus says, I'm in the Father, the Father's in me. Now at that moment we don't understand, we don't know that we're part of this unity. Jesus says, Look, you know, you're you're feeling like orphans, you're behaving like orphans, you're living as orphans, but I'm not going to leave you that way. I'm going to come to you. And It's absolutely important for us to understand that it's only the gift of sonship that enables us to fully grasp the enormity of what it means to be in Christ. See, if we remain in our orphan state, we cannot grasp the relevance of what Jesus is saying to us. An orphan only look at a father-son relationship from a distance and will feel excluded and not part of the relationship but a son is part of that relationship see we've been brought into sonship and that is the true position of every believer you know it's not an optional extra it's the true position of every believer the problem is, many of us don't realize it, or many of us take a long time to realize it. And so Jesus says, You know, I'm not going to leave you the way you are. And in verse 23 of John 14, he says this He says, My Father will love them. That's us. And we will come and make our home with them. You see, in that moment, what Jesus is saying is, I'm in the Father, the Father's in me. But we're going to make our home with you so that that unity and oneness and that at-homeness is something that we too can experience. And that, you know, Jesus ends up chapter 14 of John's Gospel by saying we can live in peace. <laughs> and this is the key to living in peace, that we know we've come home. We know we've found a home. We know... We have been brought into that unity and that intimacy with the Father. That we know, as Jesus knew, that the Father is in us and we are in him. See, it's no accident that the next chapter in our Bibles, chapter 15, starts with the story of the vine and the branches. You know, this this would have been a very, very familiar picture to Jesus' listeners. You know, vineyards were a common feature uh, of the Jewish landscape, and many of these guys would have probably have worked on vineyards. They would have known about the vine, they would have known about the branches, they would have known about the root system and how the vine gets its life, and of course, they would have known about the fruit. Um, but you know, Jesus starts off this this chapter: "You know, I am the vine, and you are the branches," and a branch has no life of its own it has to be connected to the vine it draws its life from the soil through the vine and is therefore capable of growing and and bearing fruit and Jesus Jesus gives us this picture to really sort of ground what he's just been talking about You know, he's just been talking about I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, and you've been brought into that. You know, we are now in the Father. We are now in Christ and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are in us. And he illustrates it so beautifully with this story of the vine and the branches. And, you know, if you cut a branch off a tree or you cut a branch off a vine, it doesn't take long for it to dry, dry up and die. Um, I was out for a walk this afternoon and it's been very very windy and stormy around our town and I was just walking along and I I was struck by how much dead wood had been blown off the trees and off the hedge hedgerows and you know those they were lying on the road they were lying on the paths and you know they've got no life of their own anymore they've been cut off from the source of life and in time they would they would dry out and be useless but when the branch is connected to the vine that's when it can receive life that's when it can grow that's when it can produce fruit and so jesus gives us this little illustration to really ground everything that he's been saying just moments earlier to his disciples that this is a very clear illustration for us of what it is to be in Christ and so like the disciples were encouraged to remain or abide in his love so are we encouraged to remain in his love to live in love and that's when we discover that our joy is being made complete it's not the worldly sense of joy we experience when things around us are going well but it's an inner joy that comes from being planted rooted and grounded in love it's the joy that will bring us contentment irrespective of our circumstances That's the foundation Jesus laid. And that's the foundation that Paul builds upon when he mentions this little phrase in Christ over 80 times in his letters. It's it's like he's really understood what Jesus was talking about. I mean, Paul wasn't there at that meal. He wasn't there at that evening, he he wasn't a disciple, he wasn't you know, he didn't know Jesus personally at that 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 point in time. Uh, but yet he's obviously had a revelation of what this is all about. And he builds on it uh so that we can really understand much more fully what it means for us to be in Christ. So when, when Paul talks about inc- being in Christ, which he does a lot, <laughs> he's referring back, I believe, to this foundation that, that Jesus laid for us and illustrated so beautifully with that, that picture of the vine and the branches. See, Paul is pointing not only to the union and intimacy between the Father and Son, but is explaining very, very clearly for us the consequences of us being drawn into this beautiful relationship. He explains what Jesus' life was like and applies it to, to us. And for us to see this, for us to understand this, we need the eyes of our heart to be opened you know as Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 and 18 I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father that he will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or opened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe see for us to really understand what it means to be in Christ we have to come to it with the eyes of our heart the key to understanding is not knowledge but the eyes of our heart being opened to know who he really is and to know who we really are see Paul is not describing a human concept but he's describing a spiritual one he's describing a heart encounter Um, he's describing a relationship and like all meaningful relationships it's understood and experienced in the heart and so Paul's prayer is that we would have wisdom and revelation to enable us to see what being in Christ really means. He wants us to know in an, exper- in an experiential way what the mystery, and it is a mystery, what the mystery of being in Christ is all about. He wants to show us that it really is possible for you and me to live as Jesus lived and we can experience we can have that ongoing experience of being loved by the perfect father in the same way as Jesus did and so just over these next few moments and if you download the article and read it again um, I really want to encourage you not to come at this with your mind but to come at this with an open heart to allow the Holy Spirit to bring wisdom and revelation to illuminate your inner being so that our heart sees the goodness of the relationship that we have been born into through our union with Jesus. As I said a few moments ago I really believe this is the position of every believer that every believer As far as God is concerned, every believer is in Christ. And I pray and I trust that the realisation of that will grow in all of our hearts. That we understand in a greater way the truth of who we are and our position in him. We are in Christ it's a fact (laughs) we are in him he Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit have made their home (laughs) in our hearts that's incredible you know they've chosen to make their home in us imperfect as we are you know um, so Paul says we have this treasure in vessels of clay and so often we feel, we feel like a vessel of clay. We, we're aware of our failings, we're aware of our weaknesses, we're aware of our shortcomings, but yet this is the place the Father has chosen to make his home. And not only has he made his home in us, but he's brought us into himself because we are in Christ and Christ is in him. So what does this mean? What does this mean? means a lot <laughs> and i 'm only going to touch the surface of this. I mean you know if you really want to go into this in a deeper way, just flick through paul 's letters and look at every look at those eighty plus um, times when he talks about being in Christ. It will do you good it will do you, you know we 're going to look at some some instances um this evening, and it will do your heart good um, just by looking at these few that we 're going to look at, but if you really really want to do your heart. Real, real good, and then go through this in detail because this is this is incredible. this is our inheritance. you know this is what we were born again into. So we started with that those few verses from Ephesians chapter one, and it starts with that beautiful phrase, um, "Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us' in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So to start with and you know we could all this is this is huge. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Not just a few that are handed out for good behaviour, but every Spiritual blessing. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a lot of blessing. <laughs> you know, and that's just the first thing that Paul says. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. That means, that means a lot of things, but that means all of the resources. Of the Father's kingdom are made available to us, and that has got to be a limitless list. <laughs> you know, all of the resources of the Father's kingdom are made available to us. Um, if we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, it must include the, Father, the Father's provision for us because that's part of His blessing, it must include His peace. It must include his healing power. It must include his strength, his grace. Of course it must include the gifts and the fruit of the spirit. Every spiritual blessing must include receiving his love and having his love for a hurting and broken world. And so much more. You know, just let your imagination wander uh, as you try to consider all of the things that you could possibly include in every spiritual blessing. Because it's huge. It's huge. You know, I, I, I think if you try to write a list You could fill pages and pages and pages and you still wouldn't get anywhere near exhausting the possibilities. (laughs) Because, you know, how do we know what all the blessings of God are? But this is our inheritance as we live in Christ that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You know, and as I've said, that's a lot of blessing. (laughs) And you know, Paul Paul lists a few. Um, I mean, I've mentioned a few, but Paul Lists a few of these blessings that are ours in Christ, and this is just in these few verses. I mean, you can take his other letters and all of Ephesians and the rest of it, and you're going to find a much longer list than this. But you know, these are just a few that we read about in those verses. We're chosen by Him. I mean, that's 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 you know, each one of these is just so amazing, and they're part of our inheritance, part of our position of being in christ we're chosen we've been made holy and blameless sometimes we don't feel it but that's the truth that's the reality we've been made holy and blameless we've got the full rights of sonship we've been redeemed forgiven and we've been shown the mystery of his will yeah, and all of these things have been given to us freely not not only given freely, but they've been lavished upon us. You know, John writes in his first letter, first John chapter three, verse one, see what kind of love the Father has lavished upon us. Some translations say, see how great the love the Father has lavished upon us. It's a great love. And he lavishes it upon us. That's a generous overflowing provision of his love into our lives and it's, it's the same with his blessings there's a generous overflowing provision of blessing and it comes to us because we are in Christ and like I said a few moments ago we can only really understand that we are in Christ when we live as sons and daughters if we are stuck in our orphan ways we're not going to fully understand what it means to be in Christ we will be a um, if we're stuck in our orphan ways we we, we will be a, a spectator rather than a participator but when we understand in our hearts that we're sons and daughters we can Begin to open our hearts to receive all of these blessings that are our inheritance and our right to receive as sons and daughters. We we cannot make ourselves be in Christ through our own works. We only receive it as a gift. Our works lead to us boasting in our own strength and abilities, but and our own works they draw us away from a life that is totally dependent on the father you know paul says in ephesians chapter 2 that this is a gift it's a gift of grace that we receive freely you know our works are when we decide what is right and what is wrong and so we become the sole determiner of what is what a good life really is but when the eyes of our heart are opened it may it helps us make a huge shift away from our self-sufficiency and to dependence on the father and this this can't be grasped by an orphan because an orphan is too focused on their own works and their own ability to try and do the right thing this is this is a gift of grace that we receive simply because we've been born again but we don't realise it, we don't see it because we're stuck in our orphan ways. As I've said, this is this is the inheritance, this is the position of every believer. And you know, my prayer is that we grow in a realisation of that, that the eyes of our heart are opened so that we know that we've been made alive in Christ. We know that we're seated together with him in heavenly realms. See, that's the home of a son or daughter. We have his spirit in us, which enables us to cry, Abba. And it's that spirit of sonship that draws us into the oneness with the Father. And that's irrespective of whatever's going on in our lives. You know, we we know we've come home. See Ephesians, particularly the first few chapters of Ephesians, are full of that little expression in Christ <laughs> and you know I, just read it and dwell on on every incidence where you, where you read it and let it soak into your heart you know we 've only got time in this in this webcast just to mention a few of them, but when we meditate on them, when we receive them, these are the abundant blessings that are ours through Christ and they are huge and when we really see the enormity of them they will change our lives because they are they there's certainly nothing we can work up on it in our own strength we we have to come to the place of recognizing that these are so huge they can only be a gift of grace Ephesians is one place where Paul talks about being in Christ. Colossians is, is another, uh, letter where he develops this exhortation to live in Christ. You know, and again, and I just encourage you to read Colossians and just meditate on those, those blessings that are given to us because we're in Christ. You know, Paul again contrasts the shallowness of human thinking With the depth of the reality of knowing that our lives are hidden with Christ in God. That's Colossians 3 verse 3. He wants us to know we have been given the full riches of complete understanding. The full riches of complete understanding. In order that we may know the mystery of God. Namely Christ. That's Colossians 2 verse 2. Yeah, isn't that incredible? The full riches. This, this is this is a bigger picture than I think many of us have have grasped or understood. See, we we were dead in our sins, but we've been made alive in Christ. Our sins have been forgiven, and we've been brought into the fullness or the completeness of Jesus. In fact, Paul writes that all of the fullness of the Godhead. Is in Christ, and it is into that fullness that we've been planted. That that sounds like a lot of fullness, doesn't it? (laughs) You know, it's all of the fullness of the Godhead. I mean, I can't even begin to get my mind around that. You know, what does that look like? I mean, you know, that's vast, and yet all of the fullness of the Godhead is in Christ, and we are in Christ. So we've been put into all of that fullness see it's too big it's too big for our human mind to understand and that's why we need to see it with the eyes of our heart we cannot enter this fullness when we are constantly trying to work out what is right and what is wrong we enter simply by faith in Jesus acknowledging that he's done everything on our behalf and there is nothing for us to do other than to accept and believe and receive this free gift. See, we're we're offered freedom. A life in Christ is one of freedom, where we are set free from the restrictions of the law and the religious mindset we often create for ourselves. We're free from the hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world and we're brought into the fullness that is Christ that's colossians 2 verses 8 to 10 so how do we see ourselves i've i've begun to paint a big picture and you know, we can't do that big picture justice in, in just the short time we have. And that's why I keep encouraging you to maybe download this article, maybe read through Paul's letters and see the times he uses that little expression, in Christ. And really just meditate and let those expressions of being in Christ settle into your spirit. You know, this, this, this really is a glorious inheritance that is ours now and I think sometimes we can become very aware of the reality gap <laughs> between what we see and experience in our everyday lives and what we read about as our inheritance what we read about about the fullness of being in Christ and we have this constant struggle don't we as we live in, in a fallen broken world which has got, it's got all its pain and all its heartache. You know, and we have this struggle between the two realities, the reality of heaven (laughs) and the daily reality of earth. And yeah, is there anything that can help us to live as the Father sees us? And I believe there is. See in in Ephesians chapter three verses seventeen to nineteen, Paul encourages us to to know that we are rooted and established in the immeasurable love of the Father. So He encourages us to live in love. Jesus said that in John 15 verse 9, I think it is, you know, remain in my love. It's like, you know, stay in this intimacy, stay in this inness, you know, I'm in, stay in me because I'm staying in the Father, you know. And so, and, and Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 that our spirit has got to be strengthened in, in order to expand to contain this immeasurable love and uh, you know we can't you know a, a, a human spirit is almost too small and too weak to contain the love the Father wants us to experience and so Paul writes in Ephesians chapter three that our, our spirit will be strengthened by His spirit, so that we can receive and contain more of this love. So how do we how do we match up this tension between the heavenly reality and our earthly reality? First of all, let's live in love. Let's be rooted and grounded in love. Let's let's be strengthened by the Holy Spirit to contain more and more love. Secondly. Paul writes in in First Corinthians chapter fourteen verse one Make love your goal, make love your highest aim. And as we focus on love being the most important thing, you know, let's it's so easy to get sidetracked into a whole load of other different things. But Paul says all these other things are good, some of these other things are good. But make love your greatest aim. And now as we do that that will lead us into a greater intimacy and union with the Father and it will cause us or motivate us to walk as Jesus walked. Paul shows us that the source of true life really is found in Christ. Colossians 2 verse 17 simply puts it, you know, the reality, however, the reality, however, is found in Christ and as we begin to understand that we begin to see ourselves the way the Father sees us and as we see ourselves the way the Father sees us our focus is taken off the things we struggle with which are very real and very painful often. But as we see ourselves the way the Father sees us, our focus is taken off those things, and we begin to see from a heavenly perspective. You see, if you read if you read Colossians chapter three, verses five to eight, there's a list of things there, and you know we've so often tried and we failed to do all of those things. and maybe we were successful for a short time but it's only as we abide in love and we understand that being in Christ that we find the source of life that enables us to walk as Jesus walked and it it enables us to to walk in his ways. Paul starts off Colossians chapter 3 with these words, See then, you have been raised with Christ Set your hearts on things above. See, that's the, that's the point. That's where our focus should be. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. For you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And who is God? He's the glorious Father. You've died, your life is now hidden with Christ in the glorious Father. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. (laughs) Set your mind, set your heart on things above, set your mind on things above. That's, That's very often easier said than done. But that's the key to abiding and resting in love. See, that's what Jesus introduced to his disciples when Philip said, show us the Father and that will be enough. And that's what Paul explains throughout his letters. And he spends so much time on those two little words in Christ and what it means. It must be possible for us to achieve it. See, Paul's not writing about something that's impossible. Jesus didn't give us something that was impossible. He showed us a reality. And it's as the eyes of our heart are opened, as we begin to know that we're rooted and grounded in love, we can really, truly understand that we are in Christ. There's that wonderful story in Mark chapter 10 where a rich young man comes to Jesus and the question he asks Jesus is a question we very often ask. What must I do? What must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus, who's the master of conversation, (laughs) he takes this young man through all of the requirements of the law. And the young man says, I've done that. I've kept the law ever since I was a boy. Uh, but it's not enough. I'm not satisfied. What You know, I've kept the law, I've done everything I should do, but I'm not satisfied. What have I got to do to enter the kingdom? You see, and what Jesus is showing this young man is that doing all the right things is not the answer. There's something this young man lacked. Now, Jesus doesn't actually tell him what he lacked. He tells him, to go and do something but he doesn't tell him what he lacks he goes he tells the young man to go and sell everything and then follow Jesus and the young man can't do it and he goes away and he goes away sad and as he goes away we we read in Mark chapter 10 that Jesus looked at him and loved him even although he couldn't do it Jesus loved him and the guy, the young man went away sad. you see Jesus hadn't told him what he was lacking in his heart, what he was missing, but he was giving him a key to discover what he what he lacked see i don 't necessarily believe that Jesus wanted him to be poor, but see Jesus looked into that young man's heart and he saw that his security was based on his wealth and on his position in society and what Jesus needed to do what this young man needed to do was to let go of those things that were false securities he needed to let go of the dependence on other things in order that he could have a dependence on Jesus and be able to enter the kingdom see his wealth was a blockage to him discovering the thing that he really lacked And we can see what he lacked by looking at what Jesus was talking about immediately before the young man says, well, what about me? What do I have to do? And in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16, we we read about Jesus letting little children come. And he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. And he said, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Therefore, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And so he took the children in his arms. He placed his hands on them and blessed them. See, I think the young man was watching this encounter with Jesus and the children. And he desperately wanted to enter the kingdom of of God. But. He didn't have the humility and the childlike heart to be able to respond to what Jesus was saying. So he, he, he runs after Jesus and says, OK, that's OK for those people. What about me? You know, I'm super important. I'm super rich. What do I have to do to enter the kingdom? And Jesus told him, go and get rid of all of your dependencies. Go and get rid of all of your props and come as a child. Because it's only when you come as a child that you can enter the kingdom of God. There's no exclusions. You know, if you're rich and important, you've still got to come with a childlike heart. You see, that would have if if that young man could have got rid of getting rid of his, his wealth was actually not so much getting rid of his money, but it was getting rid of his security, his false security, his props, and that would have been the key for him coming. But he couldn't do it see he lacked a childlike heart and that prevented him discovering the ultimate security of being in Christ and at home with the Father Philip said said, show us the Father and that will be enough and this young man couldn't see the Father and he therefore wasn't satisfied and all he wanted to do was concentrate on what must I do see his question was the wrong one He'd missed the point. It's not about doing. It's about receiving the gift that we've been given. And growing in a realisation of the impact that gift can have on our lives. If we want to know that we're in Christ. We have to do what Jesus said. We have to come with a childlike heart. And enter the kingdom. See Jesus laid this foundation because He knew the heavenly reality. He knew that we're loved by the Father in the same way that Jesus was loved. And he wants to take us by the hand and lead us to the Father, lead us to the source of love itself. Jesus came to introduce us to love. But much, much more than that, he came so that we could experience love. And being loved. And that's the reality of being in Christ. That we know that we're loved. As Jesus is loved. And we know that God is being a father to us. And everything that Paul explains throughout all of his letters. Is the abundant inheritance of sons and daughters. And my prayer just as we finish is very, very simple is father may the reality of that grow in our hearts may the eyes of our heart be open so that we can truly realize what is ours in christ that father you have truly blessed us with every spiritual blessing in christ and father we want to live in that abundant blessing we want to grow in the reality of being in Christ, that we truly are in him. Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to become the way for us to experience that reality for ourselves. And I pray the realisation of that will grow in our hearts every day. Amen. Well, thank you all for joining um, I hope that's given you something to take away and I would just encourage you to read some of Paul's letters and just meditate on the abundance of what it means to be in Christ so bless you, thank you very much uh, come and join Barry next week at 8 o'clock uh, UK time, 9 o'clock in Europe and next week again 3 o'clock um, in Eastern Standard Time and in two weeks time We'll both be back together. So thanks a lot and have a good rest of the week.